Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, we've been looking at the whole issue of the new reality of the Christian life that you and I have in Christ. See, many of us have this concept that salvation is simply like, again, like fire insurance, that I've got that heaven thing taken care of, I'm forgiven of my sins, and so that's it. But what we miss out on is the reality that salvation has an implication for you and I in our everyday lives. Salvation is for you and I today. Can I be honest with you? Salvation, eternal life, began the moment you trusted Jesus Christ. The moment you committed your life to Him in faith, believing that He died for you, that's when salvation began. Salvation is not later when you die, although that is a benefit. Heaven is a benefit. Salvation is now. A new life. A new reality. But yet, you and I, we continue to struggle with defeat in our lives day to day. We continue to struggle with feeling like we're not worthy. We continue to struggle with we can't seem to do what he wants us to do. Isn't that real? Isn't it real that we struggle with that? And that's where we're at. But we also need to understand that while God has given us the ability to do and live the life that he wants us to live, we also need to recognize the fact that you and I still inhabit human bodies. And that there is a very real power at work in our bodies. In fact, that very real power is called sin. Do you realize that? Now let me explain something to you for a moment, because you're sitting there saying, well, yeah, I know I sin, and I, I did this, and I did this, and I know I need to take care of this habit, and I know I need to deal with this issue over here. And, yeah, I know about my sins. Yeah, but I'm not talking about sins, plural. I'm talking about sin. See, the sins that you and I wrestle with, maybe it's gossip, maybe it's lying, maybe it's stealing, maybe it's lust. The sins we wrestle with are actually a manifestation of a greater issue, of a greater power that is at work in our lives, and that power is sin. Singular. And so many of us, we try to deal with the surface issues, when in reality we need to get to the root of the issue, which is the sin that works within us. And that's what the Apostle is going to talk to us about today in Romans chapter 7. See, so many of us, we blame legalism, we blame the law. And Paul says, it's not the law. There's a greater power at work in your life, and you need to recognize that today. So I want you to notice with me verses 7 through 12. Listen to what he says. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, You shall not covet. But sin, taking the opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, 
But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taking the occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it killed me. Therefore, the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. We're going to look at the very real issue of sin in our lives today. If we're going to understand how you and I are to live our lives right now in the life that Jesus has given us, with Him living through us, through the Spirit, we need to understand that there is a very real issue that goes on in each and every person. Because, can I be honest with you? Many of us have been deceived. Many of us have been deceived because we have this concept of what a Christian is. And so let me describe to you what we think a Christian should be. Many of us in our minds have this concept of a Christian that he is supposed to be perfect. He's supposed to be able to walk six inches above the ground, just kind of floating through life. You and I have this concept that a Christian is always supposed to be holy, that he can answer everything with a Bible verse. You might think that's you're being funny, George, but isn't that true? We have this concept of that's what a Christian is, or we have in our minds some super saint that we've known from long ago, and we think of dear brother so-and-so, and I'll never be like him. Well, can I remind you that dear brother so-and-so may have been nice at church, but you don't know what he was like at home? And that he was very real too? So when we look at the scripture, we need to understand the new reality of living the life that God wants us to live, but we also got to understand something that's very real, very powerful, that works in our lives. So let's look at this. First of all, I want you to notice our misunderstanding. Verse 7, he tells us the misunderstanding. He's addressing an issue here. He's asking a possible question that might have been raised because of his objection from what he's already told us, and that is that we have been delivered from the law because the law basically is bringing about death in our lives because of sin. And so he asked the question, look with me in verse 7, he says this, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Here's the point he's making. The law is not sin. The law is not sin. Let me give you an illustration. How many of you know what the speed limit is here in town? How many of you? All of us should, right? It's 25. Now, if you're cruising down the road, and as most of us do, we don't pay attention. We, we don't even know where the sign is. It's somewhere around here. And you're cruising down the road and you're looking and you're saying, well, you know, I've got to be over at Old Town in two seconds. And so you just kind of let foot it a little bit and you're going a little bit higher and and then he pulls you over and he gives you that beautiful certificate that says you were speeding. And you, you expect a reward, but they get rewarded for your certificate. Whose fault is it? Is it the sign? Speed limit, 25. See, our tendency is to blame the sign. That's the human heart. That's the human attitude that wants to say it's the law's fault. The law is sin. Paul says to us, the law is not sin. See, that's our misunderstanding. It's not the fault of God that he tells you to live a certain way in the Scripture. God's not trying to restrict your life in some way to make you miserable. 
Paul's saying, is the law sin? He says what? Certainly not. No. The law is not sin. The law is not sin. In fact, here's what happens. The second part I want you to see there is that the law reveals the sin in our lives. The law reveals the sin in our lives. Here's what the law does. The law reveals my shortcomings. The law reveals my problem. So if I'm trucking it down through the center of Kermansville doing 65 miles an hour, and I get pulled over and he rightfully gives me a ticket and takes away my license because I'm 40 miles over, it isn't the sign's fault. It isn't the cop's fault. What that happened was is that it revealed that there's a deeper issue going on in, within me that I don't pay attention or that I think I'm, what, above the law. That I think I'm above the law. See, the law reveals the sin that is going on within me. The law reveals the sin that's going on within me. In fact, notice this. Notice what he says, verse 7. He gives us an illustration there. He says this. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law, for I would not have known covetousness unless the law said, Thou shalt not covet. You know, if you're here and you're trying to live the Ten Commandments, just your trip to Walmart will blow it. And look, they can I be honest with you? Merchants know how to entice covetousness from you because they know that as soon as you covet, you're what? You're going to buy. So the misunderstanding we have is this whole concept of we don't understand the law. We think the law is something terrible. It's not. Something terrible is not the law. The something terrible is something within you. It's not the restrictions. It's the something within you. And so let's notice what he says, because now he's going to talk about the presence of sin. Look at verse 8. Look, notice what he says there. But sin, taking the opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire, for apart from the law, sin was dead. Here's what he says. First of all, sin uses the law to produce, sin uses the law to produce evil desires. How many of you remember, I think it was about 15, 20 years ago, that great theologian, that rock star, Sammy Hager, who wrote the song, I Can't Drive 55. You remember that? He was making a powerful theological point there. He was making the very same point there that the Apostle Paul's making here in 7, is that the law, the sign, 55, stirred up a desire within him to what? Drive 55? No. It stirred up a desire within him to what? Drive faster than 55. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed? I, you know, I notice this all the time. My mom lives down in South Carolina, and, so, and a lot of times we'll go down and visit. And, and, you know, and I know the states and what the speed limits are in the states, and I know what they're going to be. And so in your mind, you start rationalizing. You think, well, you know, They'll only pull you over 10 miles over. So you think, okay, it's 55 here, I could drive 64. <laughs> then you get down to Virginia and, you know, and you get on 81 there and it's 65. Well, I can drive 74 now. Then you get into North Carolina where it's 70 and you're thinking, 79. Where did that come from? Was it the sign that they have a little, 
little, you know, like the little asterisk there right by the number 55 and right at the bottom it says in small print, you can drive 10 miles over before a ticket. Does it say that on the signs around here? No. Where did that come from? It came from within us. See, the sign brought the desire to what? Drive faster. Would I consider driving around here at 79? Never. But because the sign said 70, I think I'm okay. What, what is he saying? The sin uses the law to produce the evil desires. See, there's a greater something going on within you. You put the restriction up, and you can almost guarantee that somebody will do it. Someone will do it. In fact, here's the next point. The law stirs up the sleeping beast within. The law stirs up the sleeping beast within. Some of you, can I be honest with you, just think about it this week. I want you to, here's your assignment. I won't check it next week, but I want you to do this assignment in your mind. I want, to, I want you to think about whenever you're told not to do something, and now all of a sudden you have a desire to do it. I want you to reflect, before you were told not to do it, did it ever occur to you to do that? And the chances are no. But the moment somebody entered into your life and said, don't do this, you decided, huh, I wonder what that would be like. That really sounds good. That really sounds good. Let me try it. See, what happens is is that that little prohibition, don't do this or do this, revives a sleeping beast within you, which is the power of sin. And then all of a sudden your body goes to work and says, I wonder why they don't want us to do that. Maybe maybe God's holding out on me. Maybe I'm missing something here. I'll be a better employee if I try that. Isn't that how we operate? And we stir within our hearts that that sleeping beast. Isn't that what the point of Sammy Hager's song was? I can't drive 55. So then, verses 9 to 12, he talks about that power of sin working within us. So I want you to pay attention. Look at what he says in verse 9 through 12. I was once alive without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For the sin, taking the occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it, killed me. Therefore, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and just and good. Here's the first thing I want you to notice. As we look at the progression of sin and how it works in your life, he says this, regulation stirs up sin and brings death. Regulation stirs up sin and brings death. Just simply being told not to do something, that stirs up that beast within you, you then do it, and guess what? The consequences come. The consequences come. The consequences come. And you know what? They come, don't they? It's just a question of what form they're in. So for instance, if I, if I do drive 10 miles over the speed limit and I get pulled over, and in my younger age, I did get pulled over a lot, and I contributed to the, 
to the Commonwealth of Virginia and the state of South Carolina and the state of Pennsylvania. And, and you know, I contributed and I also contributed to nationwide insurance and, uh, you know, I contributed to all of those things because of my behavior. Those were what? The consequences. Now you said, well, George, you could have got a lawyer and he could have worked it out. Yeah, but I'm still paying somebody, ain't I? It's still the consequence. It's just a question of, do I pay him or pay him? See, it brings death. When you and I decide to listen to the whatever is within us, the sin within us, that power of sin within us, and do what we know we should not do, because we've been told not to do it, it brings death. And the consequences may be something as insignificant as money, but the consequences may also be broken relationships. It could be tragic. For instance, I'll give you an example. Think back with me all the way to First Samuel, King David. He just fled the presence of Saul, where Saul's trying to use him as a pincushion. And so he flees. He stops by Nob and tries interacts with the priest at Nob and the high priest there and, and says, do you have any food? No, I don't have any food. Why are you here by yourself, David? David says, well, you know, I'm on a special mission. And I didn't have a chance to get my weapons or my food. And So he basically lies to the priest at Nob. And the priest at Nob helps him out. Bad mistake. Later, Saul has all the priests killed because one man lied. Consequences. See, the progression, the work of sin described is, is that the law tells us we get stirred up by the law and it produces death. Here, i got to stop for a moment and say this. Someone here may be flirting with what they know they shouldn't be doing. You know, a group this size, you know, I'm, I'm not a prophet, I'm just saying. You may be flirting with what you know you should not be doing. And the reality is that you need to understand that by doing what you want to do in spite of the prohibition is only going to produce in your life later heartache, pain, and suffering. Now that heartache or pain may be a fine but it may be a lifetime of anguish too. And we need to wake up to the reality of it. That's what the Apostle is trying to tell us. And it isn't God's fault. It's because we allowed the beast within us to rise up. And we did what he told us to do. And so the regulation stirs it up, stirs up sin and brings defeat. Listen to this. Herb Rotfield of the Marketing News back in 1997 said this. Marketing and Public Policy Conference in Boston, Iowa, at Iowa State University. A psychology professor by Brad Bushman presented a results of a long series of experiments on the potential of warning labels for attracting an audience to violent programs. Here's what the results were. Results showed that warning labels increased in interest in violent programs. Especially when the label had a source or an authority with it, such as the U.S. Surgeon General warns, 
All viewers were attracted to that product that had a warning on it instead of just saying warning. Comparing labels that just provided information, this film contains violence to those that had a warning. This film contains violence. Viewers' discretion advised found that the warning labels, by telling people what to do, actually increase the interest and the sales of that product. You've noticed it, haven't you? Don't go see that movie. It's bad. Boom! Off the market with how much sales they got. Why did all everybody go see it? It was a terrible movie. Poor acting. But someone told you not to go to it. And then you reap the consequences of it. You reap the consequences of it. Regulation stirs up sin and brings death. Here's what it is. Just so we get it right, he says this. He points it out to us. Sin, not the law, deceives and destroys us. Sin, not the law, deceives and destroys us. It's not the law. It's not that speed limit sign. It's not God's word and what he tells you to do. It's sin. It's the power of sin. And it will deceive you. Oh, oh, oh my, will it deceive you. Oh, will it deceive you. You know what? Talk to an addict. If you talk to an addict, they'll tell you that they didn't try the drug or they didn't try the alcohol or they didn't try the sex or whatever, whatever the addiction may be. They didn't try it because someone told you that you were going, that someone told them, oh, try this, you'll be enslaved, you'll be miserable the rest of your life. They tried it because there was a deception that was involved with it. There was a promise. Oh, if you do this, you'll feel good. You do this, you'll enjoy it. It doesn't matter that you're not supposed to because they're, they're holding back on you. But the reality is, is that's just deception. Because if you talk to an addict now, they'll tell you, if they're honest, the misery, the pain, the struggle, and the bondage that they're in. See, it deceives and it will destroy you. And can I be honest with you? Here's the thing about sin. I just need you to understand. There's no such thing as private sin. Does everybody understand me? There's no such thing as private sin. It's not my little sin. I'm just doing this. It's me. Not my sin. Sin affects everybody. Sin affects everybody. You know, i got a drinking problem. That's just my thing. It doesn't bother anybody else. Yes, it bothers the people that are in your home. It bothers the people that are in your home. And it doesn't just destroy you. It destroys them, too. See, that's the nature of sin. That's the power of sin. Sin, not the law, deceives and destroys. So you say, okay, George, what do we do with this? A couple things. I want you to ask yourself this question. Are you focused on sin or sins? Remember my original statement to you? That sometimes we focus on, well, you know, I've got a problem with this, I've got a problem with that, and, you know, I know I've got a personality flaw over here. Are you focused on sin 
or sins? Because if you're just focused on sins, you're just dealing with the surface stuff. If you want to deal with the surface stuff, if you want to deal with the surface manifestations, those sins, plural, you need to recognize that there's a greater principle, a greater power at work in your life, and that's sin. You need to understand that. And it's just waiting to be stirred up. Just waiting to be stirred up. That's why, can I be honest with you? I hear people all the time will say things like this. Oh, I would never do that. Really? Really? Never say never. Because the fact of the matter is, given the right circumstances, the right situation, all the right ingredients, you might do the same thing. Does everybody understand? Why? Why? Why can I say that? Because sin is at work in our lives. Sin is at work in our lives. So you've got to be careful. You say, I would never do that. You don't understand. So ask yourself, are you focused on sin or sins? And so then, next thing, recognize who the real culprit is. Recognize who the real culprit is. The real culprit isn't your mama. Well, she just wouldn't let me do what I wanted to do. So now that I'm out of the home, I'm just going to do my own thing. No, it isn't your mama. Your mama was trying to protect you. It's George. He wasn't telling me things I shouldn't be doing every week. I wouldn't do them. No, it isn't me either. The real culprit is you. The real culprit is sin in you. That's who the real culprit is. See, what we want to do is, this is our culture today. Our culture today. It's... Everybody else's fault but mine. It's my coach. It's my teacher. It's my boss. It's my neighbor. It's everybody else's fault but mine. Because I'm perfect. I never do anything wrong. Come on. Recognize who the real culprit is. The real culprit is sin within you. So then number two, don't feed, number three, don't feed the beast within. Don't feed it. Make a decision right now that you're not going to feed it. Because it may start off small. Listen to this. For eight years, Sally had been the Romero family pet. When they got her, she was only a foot long. But she grew eventually until she reached 11 and a half feet long and weighed about 80 pounds. And then on July 20th, 1993, Sally, a Burmese python, turned on 15-year-old Derek, strangling the teenager until he died of suffocation. The Associated Press reported the police saying that the snake was quite aggressive, hissing and reacting when they arrived to investigate. Sins seem little and harmless, but they grow. Tolerate sin, and it will eventually lead to death. Don't feed it. Don't feed it. Listen, can I be honest with you? Don't think you're you're the macho super guy here that you can handle anything. So, you know, I maybe shouldn't go in this part of town, but I'm going to go there. Because I can handle it. You can't. 
Don't. Because once you stir it, it will take over. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.